2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. And tonight we are going to begin a new series considering the life and ministry of the prophet Elisha. Back in June last year, we finished a series on the life and ministry of Elijah. And a number of you came and asked me towards the end of that series, are we going to move on to Elisha? And I said at the time, uh, not now, um, but I kind of had it in the back of my mind that maybe we would uh, take up Elisha, uh, Lord willing, in the future. And so here we are tonight. And uh, back then at the end of that series, we, we did look at 2 Kings 2 together. Uh, but our focus then was more on Elijah and on his entrance into heaven. Uh, tonight we look at this passage again and focus a little bit more on Elisha and the transition between Elijah um, as the main prophet in Israel to Elisha as Elisha takes up his cloak and takes up his calling uh, from God to be uh, a prophet in Israel. Israel, of course, is... Uh, in a bad time right now, spiritually, they are still following Baal. Uh, they've seen mighty acts of God through the ministry of Elijah, um, but there has not been widespread repentance and revival like Elijah had hoped for and prayed for. And so that's the setting uh, that we find ourselves in here tonight. Let's give our careful attention to God's word. Second uh, Kings chapter 2, I'll read verse 1 through 14. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to, them, said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives... And as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to the one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. 
And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. We will end the reading of God's word there. Let's stop and pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity now to go back to the time of the kings and the prophets in the Old Testament and consider how you worked in and through and spoke through and did mighty deeds through the prophet Elisha. And Lord, as we look at his life and his deeds and his words in the weeks ahead, we ask as we have just sung, that you would instruct us in your paths and make us know your way and teach us so that we might follow you and walk in your truth. And ultimately, Lord, point us beyond Elisha uh, to the one he simply pointed forward to and foreshadowed, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, instruct us and encourage us. Uh, fix our eyes on you and on your son by faith. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. On January 24, 1965, President Lyndon B. Johnson issued this statement upon news of Winston Churchill's death as he ordered flags in the United States to half-mast. When there was darkness in the world and hope was low in the hearts of men, a generous providence gave us Winston Churchill. As long as men tell of that time of terrible danger and of the men who won the victory, the name of Churchill will live. With our grief, let there be gratitude. He is history's child, and what he said and what he did will never die. A great man had departed the world knew a great loss and honored a great man. And here in 2 Kings, Israel may have felt much the same with Elijah's departure. At least those who had not bowed the knee to Baal or who had perhaps come to faith under the ministry of Elijah. And Elisha felt this especially keenly as he had followed him to the end and had become his friend 
and had learned from him and, and talked with him even to the end and, and then witnessed his glorious homegoing and mourned his loss. A great man had departed. But what are we to learn from this as we here tonight read this account? Why has God given us such stories? And there are others. Stories of transition. You can think of from Moses to Joshua or Paul to Timothy. Jesus to his disciples. One of the things that we see and that we can learn here is that God's power and God's presence does not depart when such men he's used mightily depart. The God of Elijah does not leave. The God of Elijah does not change. He doesn't give up on his people. His power is not limited to certain places or times or human instruments. Elisha experienced this as he took up Elijah's cloak and as he retraced his steps and even his last miracle. And he stepped into the role God had called him to. The sons of the prophets saw this from a distance. And we tonight also need to see and witness this and know this. That God, the God of Elijah, is the same from age to age. God provides. God cares for his people. God raises up new generations. He builds his church. He knows what we need. He doesn't leave us or forsake us. Brothers and sisters, the challenge and the encouragement of our text tonight that we need to hear and believe and live out is this. Elijah's God is unchanging. Elijah's God is still with his people. Elijah's God is still at work. And we need to fix our eyes on him. Elijah's God is still at work and he is still with his people. And so trust in him. Friends, do you know that? Do you believe that? Are you trusting in him tonight? Well, let's work our way through this story together and see what the Lord would have us believe and do. And I want to consider first Elisha following his father. Elisha following his father. Look at verses 1 through 3 again. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Elisha follows his father, his spiritual mentor and teacher. He follows him on his last journey. And as we heard already, he refuses to turn back. He refuses to leave Elijah. And three times Elijah asks him to stay and not go on with him. But three times Elisha's answer is the same. 
And you just heard it here again. As the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Where is is Elisha's mind? It is on the living God. The God who lives. His faith is in the living God. And he's not going to turn away from God's call to follow Elijah and to be a prophet. Elijah is giving him an off-ramp, so to speak. He is giving him one final test to prepare him. He's saying, hey, there's an exit here for you if you want it. But we see how committed by faith Elisha is. Elisha doesn't fall for what would be easier. He doesn't take the bait and, and turn back and go back to a life of farming. He knows he's following a man of suffering, a calling that would mean suffering. A man who faced great opposition and great risk. He's following a man who faced loneliness and very deep discouragement. A man once so discouraged that he didn't want to go on, he even wanted to die. A man who had seen little lasting fruit from his ministry. And yet Elisha does not turn back. Elisha continues to follow in faith keeping his eyes fixed on God and his calling from God rather than all of the hardships and trials that might await him in the future. And so he follows his spiritual father to the end. And you heard also twice when the sons of the prophets come up and they express fear and uncertainty at Elijah's pending departure. And they're, they're asking Elisha, what are you, you going to do about this? Do you know the Lord is taking him away? They ask Elisha. But both times Elisha's response is the same. Yes, I know. Keep quiet. Elisha is not panicking. He's not trying to be opposed to the will of God. He knows the gravity of what will soon take place. He knows it more than these prophets in training. He knows what it will mean. He's probably afraid. He doesn't want to lose Elisha or Elijah, and yet he's fixing his faith in God. He's resolute to continue to follow him and wait and watch and trust the Lord. God has been preparing him, and even now he's preparing him. And he's still watching Elijah and learning and and talking with him as they go. And as he follows him to the end, not only does he get to witness Elijah's last miracle as he goes across the Jordan, he also gets to see the miraculous gift of God in taking Elijah directly to heaven. And at any point here, in any of these conversations, Elisha could have said, okay, Elijah, I'll stay. I won't follow you any longer. I know this life probably is not for me. I can't do it. I know there are easier ways to make a living. And yet he never does that. He never says that. By faith, he follows his God. And he also follows his father in the faith. He trusts the Lord to sustain him in the difficult calling that the Lord had given him. Brothers and sisters, this presses a question to to you and to me tonight, are we walking by faith? Are we following the Lord in what he has called us to, even if it is hard? 
even if there is uncertainty, do we have those who have gone before us serving the Lord that we follow and we look to and we learn from? Is our faith in the Lord who lives? Elisha's faith was in the Lord, but he, he rightly valued and treasured and followed the Lord's servant. But because his faith was ultimately in the Lord, he could trust the Lord to take that servant in his time and in his way. Well, not only does Elisha follow and learn to the end, we also see him second tonight, seeking his spirit. Now, let's consider that second tonight, seeking his Spirit. Look again with me at verse 9. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. This is such a remarkable exchange. Elijah gives him a blank check. Ask whatever you want. And Elisha doesn't ask for wealth. He doesn't ask for fame. He doesn't ask for Elijah's gifts. He doesn't ask for more miracles or for less suffering. He doesn't ask for outward success. What does he ask for? He asks for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. He's asking to be like a son to Elijah. The firstborn was given a double portion of the inheritance and would then carry on the father's name and the father's work. You can read about that in Deuteronomy 21, verse 17. Elisha doesn't want greatness. He doesn't want to be twice what Elijah was. He wants a double portion of his spirit. That is, he, he simply wants to be equipped, like Elijah, to continue to carry out the work of God, the work that God called him to. If, 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 if anything, it's a statement of his own weakness and his limits. God, I need twice the inheritance. I need more of Elijah's spirit to be able to fill his shoes. And Elijah's spirit was not this inner strength that Elijah had. It wasn't his gifts. It wasn't his grit. Remember, Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah was tempted by sin. He was tempted to despair. He was lonely. He was afraid. No, his spirit was, was really the Holy Spirit who was at work in him, giving him strength, working faith and courage in him. The Holy Spirit who had enabled him to speak and to act as God's prophet in the midst of a world that was against him. This is what Elisha wants. This is what he needs. And brothers and sisters, this is what you and I need. To follow the Lord in faith. To serve him in this fallen world. To carry out the callings that God has given us in our day. We need a double portion of the spirit of our fathers in the faith. We need a double portion of that spirit so that we might persevere as they did in their day. So that we might serve the Lord with courage. So we might not give up 
and turn back. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That same Spirit that was in and working through Elijah. When we think about faithful servants of God aging or going to heaven, when we think about the passing of time and the raising up of new generations, what we need is not so much more Elijah's, more skills, more gifts, more resources. God does, in his grace, provide those. But what we need is more of God's spirit. That spirit that was at work in Elijah. That spirit that made him a weak clay vessel, able to do great things. In the face of great opposition, able to persevere in weakness. Able to carry the treasure of God's word in a world that despised it. In a world that wanted to put him to death at times. Brothers and sisters, will you make this your prayer? Your desire? Lord, give me, give us, not riches, not glory, not human strength and wisdom. No, what I need, what we need more than anything else is you to be with us and to equip us and to sustain us, to fill us and fill your church with your spirit. Give us a double portion of the spirit, the spirit of God. And friends, the Lord delights to answer this plea, this dependence of faith upon him. Remember how Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Brothers and sisters, seek the Spirit of God. That Spirit that has indwelt and empowered God's people throughout the ages. The God of Elijah, the spirit of Elijah is still given to God's people. And so seek him. He was given to Elisha. He's given to you and me when we trust in God and seek his help. Well, that leads us to see third tonight, Elisha in our story, grieving his loss. Let's consider Elisha third tonight, grieving his loss. Look again with me at verse 11 and 12. And as they, as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. Elisha knows that Elijah is finally going home. This is triumph for him. That prophet who asked to die in despair is now transferred to glory without death. It is a joy and a wonder for Elijah. And I think seeing him run his race to the end and enter glory in this amazing way would have made a lasting impact on Elisha. 
But what is Elijah's gain that day is Elisha's real loss. And, and he cries. And he cries out here, my father, my father. This is his spiritual father who had trained him, who had been his friend. And Elisha is saying goodbye and, and grieving the end of that earthly relationship. He saw him no more. And then he also cries out the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And I think this is not a reference to the chariots of fire that separated them. But to the fact that Elijah was like the very army of Israel. He had defended her. He had fought for her against Baal. His prophetic witness was more powerful than an army of chariots. And so Israel was losing its spiritual army, so to speak. And Elisha acknowledges that. And he grieves and laments that. You see, godly grief admits real loss. It's not afraid to express loss. It doesn't sugarcoat the loss, nor does it overly eulogize. But it sees God's gifts as they are, good gifts given and used by God. But even though Elisha recognizes this great loss and mourns, he doesn't stop there. He doesn't give up. He doesn't give in. He takes another act of grief, tearing his clothes in two before he takes up Elijah's cloak and, and Elijah's work. And I want you to think of him there with his clothes, torn in two, grieving, perhaps afraid, lonely. He knows very poignantly his loss. And he gives expression to that as he tears his clothes in two. But I think you can sense as you read it that this wasn't anger and unbelief in the heart of Elisha, but rather a heart of submission to the Lord. He knows this was the Lord's will and he submitted to it, even though he acknowledges it hurts. God took Elijah home in his way and in his time, and it was a loss. But it wasn't reason to grind to a halt. It wasn't reason to, to doubt God's love and care and ongoing power. And for believers like Elisha, we can grieve real losses that the Lord brings, and we can lament the removal of good gifts when he does that. But we do so with faith. Trusting in God's plan, trusting that he will provide. He will not leave us or forsake us. And we see that fourth and finally in Elisha. We see that he is trusting his God. Let's consider that fourth tonight. Elisha trusting his God. We see Elisha's faith in the Lord all throughout this passage. We see it as he follows Elijah as he refuses to leave him, as he refuses to turn back from the calling God had given him. We see him trusting God as he tells the sons of the prophets, keep quiet because he's waiting on the Lord. And we see it when he's asking not for anything out of greed, but asking for Elijah's spirit to carry out his calling. 
watching as Elijah went to heaven and, and even grieving with faith. But we see it significantly in the final deliberate words and actions in our passage. Elijah trusting his God. Look again at verse 13 and following. And he, Elisha, took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. First, Elisha takes up the cloak, that cloak that was used in his call back in 1 Kings, that cloak that was a sign of the prophetic office. Elisha knows it's now his to take, and he doesn't turn from it, but he turns towards it. And he takes it up. Think about it, that cloak that had once shielded the face of Elijah on the mountain from the glory of God. Elijah did not need that cloak any longer because he now beheld God's glory face to face in heaven. But Elisha takes it up. It's as though this is his ordination, we could say. And he willingly and selflessly takes on this office and the symbol of that office of the prophet and he does so with faith knowing that it will mean hardship and trial and opposition and then he retraces Elijah's steps back to the Jordan River to cross back into the main part of Israel and why does he want to go back there because he knows he's called to be a prophet he knows he needs to go back and minister to a wayward people where Baal still held such a grip. He's trusting in the Lord. What can he do as one man? What can he do for this people so deep in sin and rebellion? Nothing. Nothing on his own. But he goes back to them in love and with faith in God to work through him, a frail earthly vessel, just one man. And then again, following the example of his teacher, he strikes the water with the cloak, and Elijah's last miracle becomes his first miracle. And the water parts. Kids, can you imagine that? Can you imagine seeing that? Uh, this new prophet walk up and, and strike the water and call out to God, and the water parts, and he walks across on dry land. This is showing God's continuing power. It's showing God's presence with him. It's giving a clear indication that God was answering that desire for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. The God who had parted the, the sea, the God who had parted the Jordan for his people of old. The God who had parted the Jordan for Elijah is the same God. And he is alive and well. He's not left Elisha or his people. His power, his plan has not diminished. And we see Elisha's faith and trust in God also in his words, in his prayer at the water's edge. Verse 14, Elisha says, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? 
Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Notice he doesn't say, where is Elijah? Or where is the power or the gifts of Elijah? No, his hope was not in man. His hope was not in his faithful teacher, but in the Lord. And he knew that it was not Elijah, but Elijah's God who had equipped him for his work. For him to perform miracles. Elisha's eyes were on God, and by faith, he knew the answer to that question, that prayer. Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? The God of Elijah was his God, and he was alive, and he was well. And he was everywhere present, and he was on his throne, and he was still with his people. He would be with Elisha as he was with Elijah. And he would still show his power. The Lord, the God of Elijah, had gone nowhere. He was still there. He would be and was the God of Elisha. Always the God of his people from age to age, from generation to generation. He had not departed from his people with the departure of Elijah. And people of God, what an encouragement this is for us, even tonight. What a call this is for us to trust in the Lord in our day. Our prayer, our question should not be, where is so or so? Where is the great leader? Where are the gifted? Where are the powerful displays of God from the past? No, it should be, where is the Lord? The living God, the God of Elijah. Where is the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? The God of Moses, the God of David, Isaiah, Paul, John, Titus. Where is the God of Augustine, Tyndale, Luther, Calvin? And we could go on down through the ages to our own day. That God is always on his throne. That God is always with his people. He is always full of might. He's always carrying out his plan and building his church and never leaving his people. We must look to him and not primarily the gifts that he gives, the vessels he uses, and not man. Put not your trust in princes, in horses or chariots, but in the name of the Lord. The reason why Elisha could press on was because his faith was not in his mentor. It was not in himself. It wasn't in the gifts or the strength of men, but in the unchanging God. In the unlimited power of God. The God of Elijah, the God who saves and loves The God who works all things together. The God whose strength is undiminished. The God whose mercies are new every morning. And the God who would one day raise up the final prophet, Jesus. His own son who would be Emmanuel, God with us. Who would do far more than Elijah or Elisha ever did. Who would risk more and suffer more than they ever did. Who would make a way not across a river, 
but across a great chasm between a holy God and a sinful people. Elisha's name means God saves. And that's what his ministry would embody and proclaim. And his name and his prophetic ministry and miracles would foreshadow the greater final prophet to come, Jesus, whose name means much the same as Elisha's. The Lord saves. And brothers and sisters, Jesus is the ultimate answer to Elisha's question, his prayer on the banks of the Jordan. Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? The answer is he has come to his people. He has come to earth in the flesh, in the person of Jesus. The Son of God, He is God with us. He is not a God who is distant. He's not a God who forgets His people. But He is a God who loves and saves and sustains His people when they put his, their trust in Him and not in man. Not in princes, not in horses or chariots, but in the Lord, the God of Elijah. The God who sent His Son They who put their trust in Jesus, who took up not the cloak of a prophet, not just the cloak of a prophet, but the cloak of the mediator and the Savior, who took up the cross, who died and rose again and ascended to heaven like Elijah. People of God, Elijah's God is still at work and he is still with us. And when you look to the risen Jesus, you can know this and believe this. And you know that he's on his throne. He's building his church. He's raising up servants. He's sustaining his people. He's carrying out his plan. In Hebrews 12, after that that great hall of faith in chapter 11, that great cloud of witnesses who had run their race before as they are held up as an example of faith, witnesses calling us to trust the Lord today and persevere in following him. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking to Jesus. Elisha had a living witness of faith that he followed in his friend and in his teacher, Elijah. And we ought to have those that we follow as well, whether they're in Hebrews 11 or in church history, whether they're in the seat right in front of us, they're still alive today. Elijahs that go before us and teach us, and and we even see them finish their race. But we need to ultimately fix our eyes on Jesus, the one greater than Elijah, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Jesus who endured the cross and is seated at God's right hand. Fix your eyes on him, brothers and sisters. And know and believe 
that the God of Elijah is still at work and he is with you. And so you can press on with faith, with your eyes fixed on him until you see him face to face in heaven or until he returns. People of God, Elijah's God is still at work and he is still with you. And so fix your eyes on him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for that great cloud of witnesses that has gone before us. Those like Elijah and Elisha. But we thank you even more for the Lord Jesus who has run his race as our forerunner. As the author and perfecter of our faith. Who laid down his life for us and rose again and is now seated in glory at your right hand. Help us to fix our eyes on him. Help us to know that because of his work, you will never leave us or forsake us. He will finish what he has begun. He will build his church. He will gather in all of his people. And he will be with us. And so, Lord, help us to live by faith in our day. Help us to run the race that you have set before us. Even though we do not know where it where it goes, and we don't know the difficulties it may hold. Lord, we pray that you would do this ultimately for your name's sake. Uh, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.